0: Do I have to have a CFP to start my own RIA? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA question and answer series. It is question number 38. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why, and how to transition your practice into the RA model. Uh, so today's video, I got asked this just the other day, so I thought I'd make a quick video about it of, of you know, if you don't currently have a CFP, a Certified Financial Planner designation, can you still transition into the RA model, whether that's start your own RA or, or perhaps join an existing RA, you know, is that a, a requirement? And so I did just wanna give a couple of thoughts on this uh, both, the, both the answer from what it, what it technically is and give you some thoughts about what I think the future could bring with that. And so we, we all know the CFP, Certified Financial Planners, is arguably the kind of most universally known, universally recognized designation in the financial services industry. So certainly it carries a lot of weight uh, with it. The, the question, though, is are you required to have it to be an RIA? So a c- couple things on this. From a purely regulatory standpoint, the answer is no. Uh, There's there's no regulatory requirement that says, oh, to go start your own RIA, you have to have the CFP. So to to start an RIA, obviously, you you have to go through the process and and work. I've done plenty of uh, other videos on this of working with compliance consultants of, of how do I functionally start up that RIA. Um, And then underneath your RIA, you will be an investment advisor representative, an IAR of the RA. Again, I did a whole video on the difference between an RIA and an IAR. Um, But the the idea is you can go out and you can start that RIA and you can become an IAR underneath it without the CFP. Now, uh, there are requirements. You do have to have generally uh, a Series 65 license, depending on what state you're in, the 66 uh, you know, is, can be used in lieu of that as well. Uh, so it's not that there's not requirements to start your own RA and, and be an investment advisor rep underneath it. The CFP is not regulatorily required uh, as part of those steps. Now, a, a couple of things though related to that. Uh, as noted, you will need uh, kind of by default the 65 license in, 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 or 66 or whatnot. Um, And in some states, you can use the CFP in lieu of the 65 or 66. So perhaps you have a CFP, but not the 65 or 66. Um, and, and and, And the CFP does come in handy there, although that's not required that you use it in that capacity. It does help you now. Any of you that are, you know, exist in practice and advisors that already have fee-based assets, fee-based relationships with clients, you, you've already checked that box somehow. So either you already have your 65 or 66 or your your CFP, but just just know for what it's worth uh, that the CFP can essentially help you in that regard um, if you haven't got that 65 or 66, but it's, it's not a requirement that you have it uh, to become an investment advisor rep. Now, that, that's the regulatory answer. There, there is plenty of opinion out there of whether you should have your CFP if you're going to hold yourself out as a registered investment advisor providing fiduciary advice. There's, there's certainly very strong opinions on that. It's actually both, both sides of it. On, on one hand, I have heard advisors just out of, out of principle say, well, I, I I shouldn't be forced to have a credential unless I, I want to have the credential and just almost principle alone, kind of fight it if you will. And, and then there's other folks that, that feel very strongly that if you are going to, again, hold yourself out as an RA, hold yourself out as a fiduciary, be provided that comprehensive advice to clients that the CFP should arguably almost be a minimum amount of designation that you have to, to demonstrate your expertise in, and, and to certify that to your clients. And so there's, there's no shortage of opinions on that. I, I definitely say, you know, you kind of have three camps, I guess. You have the people that very, feel very very passionate that you, you should have it if you want to be in that shape. Um, you have some folks, uh, much smaller folks, that, that are kind of very principled. And, and while they might go down that path, they, they don't want to be told they have to have that. Uh, and then you just, quite frankly, have a big chunk of people that are, that are indifferent to it and feel, hey, if it's best for your practice and it's gonna help you with your clients, by all means do it. But hey, uh, some people will, some people won't. And, and so you do have that camp as well, but, but it is a kind of a growing louder voice. And I'm gonna dive here into what I think the future will bring of that, that should camp. And I think you're gonna hear, hear more and more about that as the years go by. Um, so a couple quick thoughts on a, on a looking forward basis. Um, some things I've observed. So I help advisors uh, in some some cases that start their own RIA and and in other cases, because of their individual circumstances, perhaps it's joining an existing RIA. So I, I talk to a lot of RIAs out there and try to understand, you know, what's your value proposition? What kind of platform have you built out? Why should an advisor consider you versus all the other options that are out there? And and I would tell you, thankfully, this is wonderful for the advisor community that 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 bar keeps getting set higher. There, there are just some amazing platforms out there that that provide amazing service and, and, and capacity for that advisor to utilize. Um, and, and so it makes that it makes it very competitive. And that's that's to the advisor's benefit. Um, although with that, if you are one of those platforms, you also need to differentiate and stick out in the crowd, if you will, and, and, and what's going to attract quality advisors to your particular firm and so so some of them are becoming more and more choosy and maybe that's hey we'll only uh consider an opportunity with advisor if they have x million in assets already so there's kind of with some there's a size requirement um, with others there might be uh, an asset management philosophy that that they are perhaps uh index um uh, passive type investors and and, and why they certainly still give flexibility to the advisors that are joining them to control their portfolios. They they want to make sure they're at least culturally aligned with with that investment philosophy. Uh, But then specific to this video, I have started to encounter uh, kind of more and more, it's still still kind of a small number, but uh, of RAs that have told me, hey, one of the things that they look for and sometimes require of any advisor joining them is a professional recognized designation beyond just that regulatory license of a of a 65 or a 66 that, that that they literally say if you don't have whether it be maybe a cfp a cpa a cfa you know any of the really high level recognized and there's others i don't want to be in justice um i certainly wasn't attempting to name them all but but literally say if if you don't have advisor at least one of those we're not a home for you so just just know that that bar is being raised out there. And likewise, those same firms are out there marketing their own practice, their own firm, their own advisors out there in the marketplace and pointing that out, that we only work with people that have you know, perhaps a CFP or whatever the designations might be. And so I think that voice is gonna get louder and louder. So even if you're not required to do it from a regulatory standpoint, the, the, the competitive pressure's out there because of firms that, that are taking that stance I think will we'll grow louder as, as time goes on as well. Um, n- next with that along with that voice in the community is the CFP board itself that continues to do a lot of branding out there in the marketplace of the designation and they have a lot of advocacy work uh, and and, and they, they are kind of working to make it known out there that this CFP designation brings certain demonstrated levels of expertise or experience to the marketplace. And so if your advisor doesn't have a CFP, you should be asking why they don't, and you should only work with a CFP perhaps. And, and, and again, there's opinions on whether that's the the, the correct message. And and again, I don't want to put words in the CFP board's mouth either. They're they're articulating it differently, but their message is, we feel you should have a CFP if you are going to be providing certain fiduciary services to investors. And again, as their brand uh, gets out there and their messaging gets out there and their advocacy keeps growing out there, uh, I think you're going to see in the marketplace, even if, again, if even if it's not regulatorily required, uh, does it become kind of de facto must have at some point if that message keeps, keeps resonating? And, and t- time will tell. I'm not... I'm not putting chips on the table just yet to say you know how strongly that may or may not ultimately work out but there is absolutely an ongoing effort to raise that voice and, and understandably so that's the CFP's board job is to is to message that out there so I, I think they will only continue to do that um, And then the last one I'll leave you with and uh, to my knowledge no state has done this I don't even know if any particular state is considering it but Keep in mind, uh, especially if you're under 100 million in assets, you would be uh, regulated by your state, not the SEC. Did a whole separate Q and A question on on that as well. Would you be state or SEC registered? But even then, states still have some degree of of kind of oversight if you're doing uh, business within their state. And we are seeing that, especially with some of the frustrations over maybe a lack of a fiduciary standard across the board and all on all fronts that some states are are starting to kind of take a lead and maybe putting in additional you know variables into that advisor client relationship that other states are not mandated or not required and so it it is interesting to know will will there ever come a time that a state might raise their flag and say if you want to be an ria in our state we require a CFP, perhaps, or maybe a CPA or CFA, or or some level of designation. Um, again, to my knowledge, there's no state currently drawing that line in the sand. It, it's it's hard to say what the future will bring. That 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 day might eventually come. And, and again, some people will be big cheerleaders of that potential stance. Uh, others others will not. Uh, I'm sure there'd be all kinds of, you know, kind of court challenges, perhaps, to it. But but I think, at least directionally, that the voice is getting louder, whether it's the CFP board themselves, whether it's individual states, whether it's existing RAs that are, that are letting their voice be known that, oh, we, we expect, we demand this of any advisors that work with us. So I think that, that pressure is only going to grow in one direction, whether it ever reaches a point that you will find yourself if you don't currently have the CFP required to have it, but But just be aware of of this kind of trend line that's or trajectory that's occurring out there. So bottom line, from a regulatory standpoint right now, it's not required. As for what happens in the future, to to be determined for all the reasons I just stated. So with that, like I said, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA. And this is the sort of thing I help advisors with uh, all day long. So advisors uh, like yourself that or have an existing practice, an existing book of business, perhaps at a a wirehouse type firm, an independent broker dealer type firm, and and you're considering or, or transitioning into the RA model, whether you just want to, at the stage, you just want to learn more about what that would look like for you, the economics, the flexibility or, or how to actually go about transitioning into it uh, that's what I help advisors with so if you're not already there uh, head on over to transition to uh, I have plenty of videos podcasts white papers all around helping you better understand how this model works uh, and then the, the most effective thing you can do is uh, at the top of every page is a contact link. You can click on that. You can instantly and easily schedule a discovery call. We can have a one-on-one and I can start having this sort of dialogue with you uh, about your specific practice and what, what potentially a path into the RE model would look like, again, with as it relates specifically to your circumstances. Uh, happy to have that conversation. So with that, I hope you found value in today's question and answer, and I'll see you on the next one.